allegations of excessive force. Y and then I was thrown on the floor and I was handcuffed. Why a Mexican farm worker accuses Abbotsford police of wrongful arrest. Long lines, hot tempers. I think things are about to reach a breaking point. How a resident's first policy is leaving some BC Ferries passengers frustrated. And planning for a pandemic vote. Between now and next fall, we need to have an election. Speculation about the next provincial election and how that might work under COVID restrictions. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Chris is off tonight. We'll get to those stories in just a moment. But first, some breaking news for you of a new community outbreak of COVID-19 in our province, this time in Haida Gwaii. Let's bring in our Legislative Bureau Chief Keith Baldry, who's following this story. Uh, this is what they've been bracing themselves for. Keith, how many cases are we talking about? Yeah, this is quite concerning, Sophie. You're right. People have been bracing for this. There's been a state of emergency declared in Hadaguay by the Hadaguay First Nations some time ago, asking people not to go there. Uh, but the numbers are significant. So here's what we're talking about. First of all, 13 cases have tested positive in a relatively small community, mostly in Masset, uh, but and one of them is recovered. So there's 12 active cases. All are, are believed to be residents who either traveled off land, off island, or became exposed to others who did who traveled off island themselves and brought the virus back. There's there's no evidence at this point of wider transmission, and at this point, there's no hospitalizations. The concern here is twofold. One, it's a small community. They don't have the resources to deal with a big outbreak. The 12 people right now, active cases, are currently self-isolating at home. Uh, but also, this is a largely First Nations community, and First Nations have more underlying health conditions than non-First Nations communities, and that's why there's added concern here. So health officials keeping a very close eye on this. This had uh, been uh, feared, and now it's there, and hopefully the the numbers don't get any greater than this and hopefully we don't get more serious cases than what we're mm -hmm. currently seeing right now. And Keith, we're not expecting to hear anything from Dr. Bonnie Henry or Adrian Dix until when? Monday? Is, is that the next press conference? At this point, expected to be Monday. Uh, of course, any this situation like this could change everything. But uh, right now, Monday, 3 o'clock, is the next briefing from Dr. Uh, Bonnie Henry and Health Minister Adrian Dix. All right. Thanks for that. Keith Baldry in Victoria. Now, let's take a look at the numbers across the province. We have 27 new cases today. Sadly, there has been one additional death for a total of 191 deaths in B.C. Twelve people are currently in hospital. Three are being treated in the ICU. 2,934 people who tested positive for COVID-19 have now recovered, and there are now 294 active cases. Well, it was a new rule that went into effect back in March when COVID first began here. BC Ferries was ordered by the BC government to give priority boarding to local residents. But many of those locals say the rollout hasn't gone smoothly. And as an example, they're pointing to the multiple hour weekend waits heading to and from the Sunshine Coast. Brad McLeod reports. In one instance, we had somebody who was so distraught that they lay down in front of moving traffic while screaming at employees to put her on the ferry. BC Ferry says be prepared to wait if you are taking the ferry for leisure. A provincial order giving residents priority on ferries has been in place since March, but it's just becoming common knowledge. So with more and more people claiming residency and also increased traffic volume, we're seeing a lot of frustrations rising from passengers and often those frustrations are being taken out on the frontline workers. Now what we are finding 
there are some routes, uh, Langdale in particular, for example, that uh, non-residents customers traveling without reservations are facing multiple sailing waits. BC Ferries is aware of waits up to eight hours. The union saying they've been as long as 12. Ferry workers sorting traffic more than ever. Reservations here, residents and essential services there, and the rest being asked if they have a mask and who knows when they'll get on. The Sunshine Coast Connector hit hardest. Brian Lolly has worked at Horseshoe Bay for a decade. Employees getting surrounded by the traveling public after every sailing and you know asking questions like when am I going to get on this boat? It's if you come to the booth and you say that you're a resident, uh, we take you at your word. BC Ferry says they will not check IDs to see if people are telling the truth. Would slow down the point of sale. Uh, in addition, you might have a second property, so you are a resident, which might not match your driver's license. BC Ferry says it has raised the increasingly contentious issue with the province. To fix this problem, BC Ferries and government need to work together to come up with solutions that meet the needs of the residents, where the workers aren't collateral damage. Brad McLeod, Global News, Gibsons. BC's NDP minority government is riding a major wave of popular support over their handling of the COVID crisis. And as Richard Zussman reports, that's led to speculation they could take advantage of the timing, leading to a snap election. Every aspect of our lives has been profoundly changed by the pandemic. The way we shop, the way we hang out, Hi, Grandma. and the way we vote. Whenever the next election is held, it can be held in a safe way for voters uh, and that the process is accessible. A minority government in Victoria means Elections BC has consistently been planning for the next election. But now they're working with Dr. Bonnie Henry on what a pandemic election would look like. We are working with them uh, so that we are prepared as a province um, for whatever comes up, uh, whether it be the fall, next spring, next year, um, and that elections can happen safely. Elections BC is in the midst of looking for possible polling stations for the fall, but they need to make sure they are large enough to ensure physical distancing. One challenge introduced by the pandemic is, um, is that voting place going to be suitable with the types of physical distancing, uh, cleaning protocols? The likelihood of a fall election is still low, and if there is one, there would also be a push for mail-in ballots. There are limited ways to trigger an election. Either government is defeated in a confidence vote, or John Horton asked the lieutenant governor to dissolve parliament. The premier won't rule out a full vote. It's mandated by, by next October, and so there's an opportunity this fall, there's an opportunity next spring, there's an opportunity next summer. Uh, when that happens uh, is not necessarily clear to me today. I'm concerned with Premier Horgan's comments uh, about the, uh, quote, opportunity for a fall election. Uh, we've been focused on governing. The progress we've been making with childcare. Horgan's popularity has never been higher, mainly due to his response to the pandemic, and there has been a growing push from some in his own party that now is the shot at a majority government. It seems to be a very strange time for the provincial government and the NDP to be contemplating an election. People got other things in their mind, like keeping their job. The question the NDP will have to grapple with is if voters would punish a party for thrusting them into a pandemic election. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. 
There are allegations of police brutality tonight after a cross-border drug smuggling bust in the Fraser Valley. A farm worker from Mexico says he was mistakenly arrested and assaulted by police officers during the takedown in Abbotsford. And as Rumina Dea reports, there are now a number of agencies looking into this. Punched kicked and attacked by a police dog, claims Pedro, who says after a long day of work Monday, he was on the phone to his family in Mexico when an officer unleashed his dog. He started biting me on the leg, Pedro recalls. Moments later, Pedro says he was ordered to the floor and handcuffed. Sergio tells us he was forced to the floor at gunpoint. Police now confirming the farm workers are innocent. No apologies for taking down the wrong men. We're doing a search and there was a person in the area. So we're obviously don't know, like we can't, it's not like we have a tracker on the person. Uh, that's escaping, so we're trying to locate that person. RCMP say they were responding to a 911 call about an illegal border crossing. Two suspects on an ATV. U.S. Border Patrol and Abbotsford Police called in to assist. One suspect, an American, was arrested in a blueberry field. Police say they seized almost 200 kilos of methamphetamine. The other suspect fled. Pedro and Sergio, bystanders, who had nothing to do with the drug bust. When we asked the Mounties about how and why excessive force was used on two innocent people, their response? Uh, you should direct that to uh, Vancouver Police Department who is investigating this, uh, this matter. Hoping that those accountable under law are found responsible. Uh, and if so, that the victims are compensated accordingly. The farm workers are scared of police. It's why we've agreed to protect their identities. Lo que quiero es que las autoridades hagan Pedro wants police to take responsibility so it doesn't happen to anyone else. The Office of the Police Complaint Commissioner has asked an outside agency, the Vancouver Police, to investigate. Romina Dea, Global News. A woman is recovering in hospital after falling into the path of a sky train in New Westminster. It happened last night at Columbia Station. It began with a fight between two women. A 24-year-old man intervened and another altercation then took place, this time between the man and the victim. Officers say the young man pushed the woman, possibly in self-defense, and she stumbled and fell into the path of an inbound sky train. She became trapped under the train. She was rushed to hospital and has serious but non-life-threatening injuries. The man remained on scene and was questioned but has since been let go. We did not believe that there were reasonable grounds to believe that the male had committed a reasonable, sorry, had committed a criminal offence and he was released without recommending charges at this time. And we are encouraging all potential witnesses to contact the New Westminster Police Department. There was a major police presence for hours this morning at a downtown Victoria motel that's been turned into a homeless shelter. Just before 9 a.m., following a weapons complaint, heavily armed Victoria police officers and the emergency response team surrounded Paul's Motor Inn and closed the 1900 block of Douglas Street and nearby side streets. Just before noon, one man was taken into custody. Earlier this summer, the provincial government bought that motel for use as a temporary shelter and eventual redevelopment into social housing.
On Monday, the Vancouver Park Board is set to consider a motion to allow drinking in almost two dozen parks. But even if it's approved, it will still be mid-August before people can legally crack a cold one. And, a lo- and long after other cities have already made the move. Sarah McDonald reports. It's no secret it's something a lot of people are already doing right across Vancouver, consuming booze outdoors at public parks and beaches. They're all doing it anyway. Everyone's, that's, there was nowhere to go during the pandemic. I don't really drink in the parks, but I've never really had any issues with people that do. Now the city's park board is set to consider officially allowing it in specific locations again, with 22 parks citywide pinpointed under a proposed pilot project. It's probably better to get it done well than to rush it. John Irwin and his commissioner colleagues will once again mull the notion of allowing open alcohol consumption in public green space on Monday, an idea up for debate with the current park board since 2018. We have to weigh not just the headlines and the loud voices in society because we're getting bombarded with people who want no change. They don't want any drinking in parks. People having a nice glass of wine with their meal, I'm fine with that. Big carousing parties where they toss all their stuff everywhere, not so much. That's a concern for provincial health officials and Vancouver police too, with specified designated drinking zones proposed in the recommendations from staff, which could be counterproductive to physical distancing. And to see how many people just took, were negligent about it, I don't feel like we're ready as a, as a society to respect the rules. Critics of the city and its park board point to North Vancouver and Port Coquitlam, which moved quickly to allow drinking in select public parks back in June. When you treat adults like adults, uh, you really don't have issues. You know, people do do the right thing. If approved, the pilot project in Vancouver, which would end in October, will still need to be signed off on by the province. The drinking anyway, it's going to be done somewhere, isn't it? Let's be honest. (laughs) Meaning any official change isn't likely at all until the middle of August. Sarah McDonald, Global News. Well, with some hot weather in the forecast, Metro Vancouver is asking park users to be responsible and maintain their social distance. Every time the temperature soars, there is a spike in visitors to Metro parks with beaches like White Pine at Sassamat Lake and Boundary Bay experiencing the biggest crowds. Metro Vancouver is asking park visitors to maintain physical distance, wash their hands frequently and stay home if they are feeling at all sick. Staffing, cleaning and patrols at Metro Vancouver's 32 two parks will be increased. Visitor behavior, like ignoring social distancing rules, could lead to future park closures. And there's a good chance people will be heading outside this weekend. We are expecting unseasonably hot conditions. Let's bring in senior meteorologist Christy Gordon with more. Christy? Yes, so the first big heat of the year is headed our way, Sophie. Here's a look at what we're expecting. It has prompted Environment Canada to issue a special weather statement for all of these areas in red. So low 30s away from the water across the south coast and upper 30s for areas in the interior. Now, the peak of the heat for coastal regions will likely be on Sunday and Monday, but even near the water, we may continue to see that heat into Wednesday. And for those of you in the interior, again, tomorrow is a transition day with the peak of the heat likely Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. So several days of hot weather on the way. Sophie, I urge everyone to sort of take care of themselves as well as pets and uh, and kids as well. And concerns, of obviously, about a transition into the forest fire situation. So be really careful outside.
Absolutely. We'll talk to you in a bit for the full forecast, Christy. Thank you. Well, the city of Vancouver has banned the sale and use of bear bangers within city limits. Bear bangers are used to scare away wildlife in remote areas, but the city says it has seen a dramatic increase lately in the number of complaints about explosive sounds. The fine for selling or using these devices will now be $1,000. Residents who use bear bangers and other exploding animal deterrents in the wilderness are encouraged to purchase them online or in other municipalities. A disturbing discovery in Burnaby is prompting a warning to dog owners to be careful. Burnaby RCMP say a man found a bone with a spike in it discarded in the street on Thursday. The man's dog had picked up the bone while they were out for a walk on Francis Street near Delta Avenue. Luckily, the man's dog was unhurt. Other dog owners in the area are advised to be extra vigilant and report anything suspicious to police. What's concerning is it was it was placed inside a bone, which uh, an object that's obviously enticing to to dogs. Uh, while I was up there myself this afternoon, I, I within this t- ten minute time span, I saw at least four dog owners passing the area. So I don't I don't actually I'm not surprised I guess that the the dog latched onto this. Well, Vancouver police are warning you to stay vigilant as distraction thefts are on the rise throughout the Lower Mainland. Police say since June they have seen an increase in reports of theft where the victim is distracted by a stranger. They're reminding you to be very cautious when being approached by strangers while out walking, doing outside chores, or someone offering hugs or asking for help. One example are distractions on the street. A female suspect will approach an elderly person who's wearing expensive jewelry and distract them by hugging them or getting close to them. That suspect will then place fake jewelry on the victim while taking off their authentic jewelry. Police in the Lower Mainland have received 16 complaints of distraction theft since June 1st. They're asking you to share this information with the elderly and report any suspicious activity. The future of a Metro Vancouver mountain biking mecca is uncertain tonight. Burnaby Mountain is a popular destination for mountain bikers, some of whom don't just ride the trails. They volunteer their own time to maintain them. So it came as a complete surprise when signs were suddenly posted suggesting those trails were closed. How Burnaby backtracked in just over a minute. Panic inside an Iranian passenger plane when a U.S. fighter jet suddenly appears. That's later on the news hour. Also ahead, how a viewer email helped lead to a potentially life-saving diagnosis for a TV news reporter. That's coming up. Right now, though, the city of Burnaby issued an apology today over signs on Burnaby Mountain that they say were posted in error. Those signs on some of the best mountain trails in the area suggested they would be closed. But while the trails don't face imminent closure, their future will change. Paul Johnson explains. We consider Burnaby Mountain to be a jewel in the middle of the city. And with its network of forest trails, it's also a mecca for mountain bikers. I learned to ride here 20 years ago. Um, It's just, it's an experience that isn't really available anywhere else. Judy Guerin is the president of the Burnaby Mountain Biking Association. For 12 years, she says, they've had a signed agreement with the city of Burnaby to coordinate safe use of these trails and to maintain them. 
Some of the cyclists here have put in hundreds of hours of maintenance, which is why they were stunned when they saw this. The city hasn't actually communicated much with us at all. The trail closures were a complete surprise. The city says the closure order was to do ecological remediation on some of the trails. But the cyclists say it amounted to an almost total loss of access to the single track trails they prefer. And they say the city shut them out of its environmental study, which baffled them, given their knowledge of the trails. It almost felt like we were being criminalized. It's really insulting. Uh, they know we are the largest user group. We know They know that we manage, uh, look after the trails. So then early Friday afternoon, a course change by the city of Burnaby. Now saying those signs went up by mistake, the trails will remain open and they're going to consult with the mountain bike community about what to do next. The mountain bikers acknowledge that the pandemic has put more pressure on the trail system, that they need to be vigilant about avoiding conflicts with hikers and keeping the trails in good shape. Okay, have some fun. Hopefully now, all on the same track as City Hall. In Burnaby, Paul Johnson, Global News. Meanwhile, the Vancouver Park Board is putting the brakes on a plan to remove an unsanctioned bike track in East Vancouver. The track set up in Grays Park has attracted young riders for months now, but the city said it was unsafe and would be taken down. Well, neighbors spoke up earlier this week, and the park board now says it has assessed the park and children can still access it for riding. They also say all safety hazards like exposed rebar and tripping hazards have been removed. Electric vehicle owners appear to be charging up at stations across the province once again. BC Hydro says usage is almost back up to pre-pandemic levels after a significant drop over the last few months. In February, Hydro says 21,000 vehicles were charged at 70 fast charging stations across the province. That fell to just over 12,000 in April, but in June, the number almost doubled. BC Hydro says customers rely on public charging stations, but they have been encouraging drivers to charge at home during the pandemic. Well, just ahead, protesting the Chinese government. All the people become hopeless. The demonstration in Vancouver calling out the sweeping national security law. And later, Meng Wanzhou's legal team takes aim at Donald Trump. After a busy afternoon, traffic has pretty much recovered on Highway 1 from just past Willingdon to the Cassiar Tunnel. Two earlier problems cleared a while ago, and all the extra congestion through the tunnel to North Van is gone, too. But seeing some leftover volume further east on Highway 1 near Kensington after clearing up a crash there as well. Today's Lotto Max jackpot is an estimated $60 million, plus an estimated six max millions. Lotto Max, dream to the max. I'm Trish Jewison in the Global Traffic Center. Newly released court documents reveal lawyers for Huawei executive Meng Wanzhou are arguing statements by U.S. President Donald Trump have tainted the case. Meng's defense team is claiming Trump's public statements about the case have poisoned the ongoing extradition proceedings. In a 28-page legal brief, Meng's lawyers point to statements by Trump where he said he would intervene in the case if necessary as part of the ongoing U.S.-China trade dispute. Meng was arrested at YVR back on December 1, 2018. She's now fighting extradition to the U.S. where she's been charged with fraud and conspiracy. A rally outside Oak Ridge Mall this afternoon attracted a crowd of Canadians, originally from Hong Kong, expressing their outrage over the new national security law imposed by the Chinese Communist Party. Nadia Stewart has the details. 
There is concern amongst those here that this national security law is going to threaten human rights in Hong Kong. In fact, they're also worried uh, that it'll threaten freedoms of the press, freedom of expression, speech and assembly in the territory. They say that there is a man who lives here in B.C. He has been endorsing this law, in fact, went on social media to do that. They stress that he does not speak on behalf of everyone from Hong Kong who was living here now in Canada. They are calling on the Canadian government to do more in speaking out against it. In our social media, if I were, I were captured by the, by, the, by the CCP, the Communist Party of China, you are liable to be arrested and we will be put in prison for, uh, for, the, for, for the whole life. And also, it includes all the foreigners, all the human beings on earth, even you and me, are liable to be arrested. There are about two dozen protesters here at the corner of Canby and 41st. They are hoping that Canadians will respond to their message, but most importantly, the Canadian government responding by speaking out. Nadia Stark, Global News. Up next, a close call in the air. What caused panic on an Iranian flight and how it's renewing tensions with the U.S.? And a new way to prepare kids who have to be tested for COVID-19. And it might be good for their parents as well. A busy start to the weekend over at BC Ferries. The 7 p.m. sailing from Tawasan Sports Bay is almost full at 90%. The 6.45 boat to the Southern Gulf Islands is even more full at 95%. And there's a one-sailing wait heading to Duke Point. The 10.45 is at three-quarters capacity. Today's Lotto Max jackpot is an estimated $60 million, plus an estimated six max millions. Lotto Max, dream to the max. I'm Trish Jewison in the Global Traffic Center. Some shocking video to show you from the inside of an Iranian passenger plane. A U.S. fighter jet spotted coming close to the aircraft, which forced the plane to swerve. You can see shaking inside, and you heard those screams of frightened passengers. Now, exactly what happened is up for debate, with the Iranian version of events different from what the U.S. is now saying. It's not the view Iranian passengers were expecting out their windows. Iranian state TV says this is an American F-15 fighter coming in for an inspection. So close, they say, the Iranian pilot was forced to descend rapidly. Passengers feared the worst. No one was seriously hurt. Our Ali Aruzi is in Tehran. Iran's foreign minister is labeling the U.S. as, quote, a bunch of outlaws that must be stopped, while other officials here branded the incident as an act of terrorism. But the U.S. says the American jet was over a half a mile away from the Iranian aircraft doing a brief visual inspection in accordance with international standards because the Iranian plane was flying near a U.S. base in Syria. Well, the last time tensions were this high was back in January when Iran accidentally shot down a passenger plane, killing 176 people, including 57 Canadians.
In Health Matters tonight, with kids returning to their regular activities in the midst of this pandemic, more children may have to get tested for COVID-19, an experience that can be daunting even for grown-ups. Now BC Children's Hospital has put out a video showing what families can expect if they have to get swabbed. Linda Aylesworth has more. Most of us have seen it by now, perhaps even experienced it, the COVID-19 nasopharynx test. We go in with the little tiny swab and we go all the way back to the nasopharynx and we do a little twist for about five seconds and then it's all done. Simple, but maybe just a little intimidating. I mean, that is a long swab. So before Nicole, an emergency nurse at BC Children's Hospital, administers the test, she explains a few things. So I get them to take their tongue and touch the roof of their mouth where it's hard and then I get them to move their tongue back to where it's soft. That is how far the swab reaches. Dr. David Goldfarb's six-year-old daughter, Ella, recently observed the procedure. Odd videos that I watch as a microbiologist, and she happened to see one of them, and then she asked if she could get that done. It made me think that this is maybe a good thing for kids to be seeing this test done. Especially children who may develop COVID-like symptoms and need to be tested. And so he, with the help of Ella, created a video for parents and their children. They're surprised by how far back we go. So I think that it's really helpful to have that video so that people can understand where it's going to go. So it's on YouTube and people uh, can go to YouTube and just search BC Children's COVID-19 test and it should pop up first. As for Ella's contribution to the project? She did really well. I think uh, everybody felt she was quite brave and she did want to help contribute to uh, the, the fight against the pandemic. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. Up next, a potentially life-saving discovery. What a sharp-eyed viewer saw that sent a TV news reporter straight to the doctor. Also ahead. We just can't wait to get things going here. I think I can speak for all of us. We want to start playing some games. Finally, hockey about to make a comeback. How the Canucks are feeling about pandemic hockey later. Give a shout out, tag posts with hashtag BC Healthcare Heroes or email BC Healthcare Heroes at globalnews.ca to share with Global News. BC Healthcare Heroes in partnership with Fortis BC, caring for the BC communities where we live and work. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. I almost dismissed the email. I was like, oh, maybe it was just weird lighting in my live shot. An eagle-eyed viewer spots something suspicious that may have been a lifesaver for a TV news reporter. We'll explain right after Christie's forecast. All right, meteorologist Christy Gordon joins us now uh, as we head into a bit of a heat wave. Well, maybe it's not technically a heat wave, but you never know. Yeah, well, you could sort of call it a heat wave. Yes, you're right. It's not technically a heat wave according to the um, sort of guidelines that Environment Canada uses, but sort of. This could be the first heat wave of uh, the year for us. Certainly the big first big heat. So low 30s away from the water for coastal regions and upper 30s for interior regions. And this is starting on Sunday. So tomorrow's a transition day. You're not expecting that heat. Here's some tips to help keep you cool. Uh, don't forget, you really need to keep your pet and your little ones safe as well. So stay in the shade. That's a good one. Keep yourself hydrated. Wear hats, sunscreen, and loose, lightweight clothing. Another good idea is actually to limit your outdoor activity to just mornings and evenings when it is a little bit cooler. And keep your cool, your home cool. One way to do that is actually to close your blinds so the sun doesn't come in, but keep the windows open so you still get that breeze. And if your body is heating up, take a cool bath. That'll really cool you down. And one last one, never leave children or pets alone inside of a car, even with the 
window cracked, it can get up. The heat inside a car can be very dangerous in just minutes. And heat stroke is nothing to, uh, um, it is something to take seriously. You need to call 911 if you ever saw anyone with these symptoms. So headache, nausea, vomiting, and dry skin. So no longer sweating. And another one is rapid breathing or heart uh, beat, or like if the heartbeat is actually rapid and if they lose consciousness. So call 911 because that's a serious situation. So there's your forecast for your Saturday. We are expecting some rain for the North Coast, but all other areas hot and sunny. Again, tomorrow's a transition day. The real heat pushes in Sunday and into Monday. So there's your five-day forecast. We're not expecting a change from this heat right through until Thursday, possibly with a change with more rain. And I'll leave you with your central windows, weather window, Sophie. A nice shot looking out over English Bay with some cloud cover, which you likely won't see much of over the next few days. All right. Looks so peaceful. Thank you, Christy. Well, it's not the correspondence that reporters typically receive, but in this case, it was life-saving. A U.S. television reporter receiving an email from a viewer, not about one of her stories, but about her health. For weeks now, COVID's been investigative reporter Victoria Price's focus. Governor, there was a senior citizen who was kicked out of this press Not cancer. No, it's all about the other C word these days. But it is cancer that a WFLA viewer thought she spotted on Price's neck June 4th. Worked a number of quick stints and wrote in an email, please have your thyroid checked. Reminds me of my neck. Mine turned out to be cancer. I almost dismissed the email. I was like, oh, maybe it was just weird lighting in my live shot. I very easily could have ignored this, and I'm really glad I did. Can you find the lump on your neck that she saw? You know, it's funny. It's got to be right here. What she still can't see in the mirror, the doctor diagnosed as thyroid cancer that spread to a few lymph nodes, shocking the 28-year-old. My focus has been on a global health crisis. Not my own health. During the pandemic, one third of U.S. adults put off routine health care in April. Price says she's living proof health care can't wait. Right. If something feels funny, especially if you're younger and you like to think you're invincible, you're not. And if someone's saying go get something checked out, you should probably do it. Just like Inside Edition's Deborah Norville. The bigger the disaster. And HGTV's Tarek El Moussa, who were alerted to their thyroid cancers by viewers, Price is ever thankful. Victoria, do you think the viewers saved your life? I would like to think so. Who knows? I don't know what would have happened if she hadn't emailed me. So I'd like to think so. Price will undergo surgery Monday and hopes to be back the following week, telling the story instead of being it. Ann Thompson, NBC News. Definitely haven't had that type of viewer email. Not yet. (laughs) Hopefully not. Yeah. I will say this. Mm Mm-hmm. HD television probably helped that as well. That's right. true. Back in the four by three days, which wasn't all that long ago, you might not have seen something that clear. That's, and now you can see the wrinkles in my face. I know. <laughs> exactly. It comes with downsides, <laughs> of course. Yes. All right, uh, big day for baseball. Yes. Uh, until today, the only Jays we've been able to watch are named Durant and Janauer. Biggio hammers one right field. Now we can watch the Blue Jays. They have begun their season. And yes, they do have a home ballpark finally. We'll tell you what that is. Also ahead, it's Friday. So Squire is on double duty. Satellite debris still to come. The other thing HD picks up, well, my split ends, but also lint. (laughs) Come on, I can't even see your split ends from here. Those, they're all good. Don't worry about that. We're all good. Mm. 
Your hair I'll is show great. You. Your hair is great. Thanks. Okay. <laughs> uh, when the NHL starts its Stanley Cup tournament in August, you will see way more camera angles than normal because no fans. You can put the camera anywhere you want. You will hear a crowd, though, because EA Sports will pump in noise, and there will be a five-second delay on broadcast. That's so somebody can bleep out any swear words that you might hear over microphones. And for the players, there will be 14 different restaurants in the hub cities that they can go to. They'll all be quarantined, of course. It'll be like living in the food court at the mall. Uh, there will also be movie theaters for the players, although there really aren't any movies out right now. The uh, Canucks leave for Edmonton on Sunday. That's where they will play their games when it's time to start bubble hockey. The Canucks can start to see the light at the end of the tunnel. Just over a week from now, the long wait will be over, and they'll start their series versus the Wild. It'll be nearly five months between games, but they are close to a reality, something Bo Horvat admits he had serious doubts about. It was far-fetched to, to begin with, and I didn't think it was going to happen. To finally get going to the Hub City here uh, on Sunday is going to be a huge relief and we just can't wait to get things going here. I think I can speak for all of us. We want to start playing some games. The Canucks will get just one tune-up game versus Winnipeg this coming Wednesday, but other than that, they've had to create, as best they could, playoff intensity in a handful of scrimmages. And there has definitely been a ramp up in the tone as the camp has moved along. I can feel it brewing naturally with our with our team right now that they're getting, uh, they're ready to get to Edmonton and, and they understand that it's getting serious. It's been five years since the Canucks were in the playoffs, so that means about half their roster has never played an NHL playoff game. The play-in series versus the Wild is win or go home, so it's essentially playoffs, but this will be a bizarre initiation with no fans in the stands for the most intense hockey of their young careers. I mean, none of us have been in this situation. None of us have, you know, uh, played without any fans since probably minor hockey. You know, you're definitely missing a fun aspect, a cool aspect of going in those hostile environments and trying to get a win. And um, I think that makes it, you know, what that makes playoff hockey so special is the atmosphere. And don't forget the head coach will also be experiencing playoffs at the NHL level for the first time as well. Am I nervous? Yeah. I'll, I'm hoping I'm nervous 20 years from now when I'm coaching. Uh, I think every coach gets nervous and excited, and obviously experience is one thing. But, uh, yeah, I'm all of the above. I'm excited, I'm nervous, and uh, I can't wait for it. Blue Jays are back in Tampa Bay. They will play most of their home games in Buffalo at their minor league park. Uh, they'll fix the lights and get most of the games in there. Uh, Hyung Jin Ryu, who they spent $80 million over four years on, gets a strikeout there. And then Kevin Biggio, with the score already 3-1, he makes it 6-1 at that point, but it's now 6-4-9 as Tampa Bay has battled back a bit. Toronto's, well, one of their other teams, the Raptors. Now, this is an exhibition game. They're in the bubble in Orlando, getting ready for the restart of the NBA series. That's Pascal Siakam with the dunk, taking on Houston here. Kyle Lowry, just before the buzzer. 
ties it up. 49-49. Raptors won this game, but again, this is just exhibition. Chris Boucher, the kid from Montreal, with the dunk. 94-83, the final. Raptors over Houston. All right. Second round of the 3M in Minneapolis, and this is Tony Finau. Third shot in the par five, 81 yards away. He's at minus 11, one off the lead. Michael Thompson and Richie Warensky have the lead. That's an eagle. Here's the weirdest thing I've seen in a long time in a golf course. Check this out. Cameron Davis with the putt. Now look at this butterfly. Becomes enamored with the ball. Apparently the butterfly is only attracted to Titleist Pro V1s. Any other ball, he wouldn't go near it. There he goes. Well, when it didn't drop, he's like, whatever. I, I know. This, come on. <laughs> kind of golfer are you? Uh, Merritt's Roger Sloan incidentally missed the cut. There you go. All right. Thanks very much, Squire. Let's check in with Ann Drua for a look ahead to Global News at 11. Ann? Thanks, Sophie. Fresh fruit and vegetables are usually in abundance this time of year, but one sector of the industry is facing some challenges. Local blueberry farms had already been dealing with cool, wet weather that impacted crops, and now they're struggling to get enough workers to harvest those crops. And one of the reasons could be the federal government's emergency response benefits. We'll explain when you join us tonight at 11 o'clock. Sophie? All right. Thanks, Ann. Tonight's healthcare hero is coming up plus satellite debris stay with us it's time to recognize one of our healthcare heroes working hard on the front lines of the COVID-19 pandemic tonight's nomination comes from Shirley Blakey who would like to nominate her daughter-in-law Carrie Willikes Carrie works at Mount St. Joseph Hospital and Honoria Conway at St. Vincent's, both in Vancouver. She manages two hardworking teams who support those living in long-term care and assisted living. She says it's a delicate balance between keeping seniors safe and also keeping them connected to their loved ones. Carrie says it's a tough job, but there's nowhere she'd rather be. Carrie, your mother-in-law, Shirley, wants you to know you are her healthcare hero and you are also our healthcare hero. We thank you for your dedication at this challenging time. If you have a BC healthcare hero you'd like to see recognized, send an email to bchealthcareheroes at globalnews.ca. Send us a few pictures and some details about why they're your hero and we might feature them next. All right, Squire, we made it to the end of the work week, or our work week anyway. Yes, we have. And we'll start next week and we'll make it again. We'll always make it. Oh, thanks, man. Okay. So so here we go. Uh, First of all, uh, two commercials here to show you. Um, One from a Super Bowl a few years back uh, for a truck from Honda, I believe, which featured sheep doing their best queen impression. Morning, I get up, I die a little. Can't barely stand on my feet. Take a look at yourself in the mirror and cry. What you doing? I spent all my years believing you. I just can't get Somebody, somebody, anybody find me. Somebody.
Introducing the all-new Ridgeline, the only truck with an available truck bed audio system. A new truck to love. Who has to clean it up? Okay, so um, vanilla ice and Flava Flav. I've never ever seen them together, but they are here for Castle Light Beer. Holding me tightly, flow like a harpoon daily and nightly. To the extreme, I rock a mic like a vandal. Light up the stage and wax a chump like a candle. Flavors in it, baby. Yeah, boy. Flavin ice, baby. Castle Light Lime. The original Castle Light with a dash of lime flame. Oh, why didn't that happen back in the day? Like that. <laughs> I don't know if I. Very quickly, and this is a true story. Years ago, I was at a craps table at the casino in Coquitlam and Flavor Flav showed up. What? To play craps and he had the clock around his neck. No, he didn't. I'm serious, oh. he did. Does it keep actual time? I, I, you know, I should have asked him for the time. That would <laughs> yeah. be a good thing to do. <laughs> Just an icebreaker so I could talk to him. Okay, uh, last one here, uh, Geico combining with the Pillsbury Doughboy. You'll see what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Sir? I'll get it together. I promise. <laughs> Ronnie, how happy are folks who save hundreds of dollars switching to Geico? I'd say happier than the Pillsbury Doughboy on his way to a baking convention. Get happy. Get Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. It's too funny. Pillsbury Doughboy. <laughs> I've seen him for a while. Kicking it old school. I know, yeah. <laughs> All right, final word on the weather, Christy. All right, hot and sunny. That's what you can expect over the next several days. Not too bad tomorrow in terms of heat, but we certainly will heat up Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday with areas away from the water close to that 30-degree mark. Enjoy your weekend, everyone, but keep your distance. Have a good weekend.